are Locked On Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Dolphins fans, and welcome to this Tuesday, July 27th edition of Locked On Dolphins. I'm your host, Kyle Krabs, managing editor of USA Today's DolphinsWire.com. Director of Scouting at the DraftNetwork.com, lifelong Miami Dolphins fan. And today's episode is brought to you by RockAuto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all of the parts your car will ever need at RockAuto.com. Today on the show, finishing the series in which we are overviewing the pre-draft perception of Miami Dolphins starters versus your truly and his pre-draft evaluations of these players from the year they entered the NFL. It has been very fun going through offensive skill players last Thursday, offensive linemen on Friday. Yesterday on the show doing the defensive front seven was a bit of a marathon. We went long. Objective this week is to go not quite as long on the show, but hey, good content is good content, and if that is what the football gods will here today on Locked On Dolphins, then so be it. Uh, Anything big happening today? Anything of substance? No? Just the Dolphins reporting for training camp? Congratulations, Dolphins fans everywhere. You have made it. The Dolphins training camp opens today, players report, You've made it through the dry spell. Let the games begin. Or as one Batman villain would say, let the games begin. I'm ready. I don't know about you. Before we get into the defensive secondary and and Dolphins projected starters and so on and so forth, uh, two things worth mentioning. Uh, I do think it is interesting that uh, a report came out from the Miami Herald yesterday, that Xavier Howard is strongly considering reporting to training camp. So that's a storyline to keep an eye on for today, uh, one way or the other. And by the time you're listening to this show, uh, we'll probably have our answer. But uh, the situation with Xavier Howard is this. He wants more financial compensation, and he is going to expose himself to losing significant amounts of financial compensation on a daily basis if he does not show up to camp. The report from the Herald came courtesy of both Barry Jackson and Armand Alcogero, uh, with the commentary being as such. Dolphins cornerback Xavier Howard, who did not participate in the team's all-season program because he wants more money, has strongly been considering reporting for the start of training camp, according to an associate. Though the Dolphins have not given him a raise, he would face $50,000 in daily fines if he holds out for training camp. The source said he remains unhappy about his contract, but here's the important part, but also realizes he ultimately doesn't control the situation because he has four years remaining on a five-year, $75.5 million contract extension. Uh Uh-huh. Very interesting. Uh, Of course, the other uh, bit of news or rumors, if you will, before we get into the defensive secondary, is the reignited buzz around Houston Texans quarterback uh, Deshaun Watson, who, before the allegations went public about uh, earlier this offseason, was somebody that the Dolphins were tied to, 
and we on this podcast have had a number of conversations about. I'm going to leave this on the back burner, and everybody's entitled to their own opinion, but until either there is a move that's actually made or Watson makes some kind of development in terms of the allegations against him and his current standing uh, from a civil suit perspective, it's not really worth discussing the football side of things. Now, could, depending on how things proceed, we see Watson on the field for week one? Maybe. Could, depending on how things proceed, could we see Watson serve a short suspension and get on the field uh, in a rapid amount of time? Maybe. But I, I can't, I don't have the liberty to tell you how you should or should not feel about the possibility of Miami being attached to those rumors. But what we do know is that right now, Tua Tungvalu is this team's starting quarterback. The Dolphins have made a lot of moves in anticipation of Tua Tungvalu being the team's starting quarterback and putting him in the best position to have success. Until anything actually changes on that, I don't want to give that situation any more life than it needs to. You'll hear lots of speculation. You see lots of rumors where the Dolphins continue to be tied to Watson. I think what all these rumors at some point indicates as somebody of significance in the Dolphins organization probably thinks Deshaun Watson is a viable answer to the Dolphins' long-term quarterback situation. Of course, Tua Tungvaloa can be that player too, and he's already in-house. And until either one of those two facts changes, uh, we're going to continue on this show to operate under the assumption that Tua Tungvaloa is the guy that we are pushing play with, moving forward with, continuing to evaluate as a quarterback. And I'm excited to see the development and the growth and see where it goes and see what the efforts the Dolphins have made for Tua are going to bear as far as fruit for the 2021 season. Let's start with safeties, because we're going to shift gears here. We're going to get away from the rumor mill. We're going to get away from the reports of who's coming to camp and who's not. we got a series to finish here. Now, it starts with the safeties. Let's start with the safeties. I'm going to do three safeties in three corners. Uh, safety, Javon Holland. Number 36 overall pick for the Miami Dolphins uh, in this year's draft. Holland, for me, was tied for my 53rd overall player in the 2021 NFL Draft. And as we said at the beginning of every single one of these episodes, because uh, I don't want that context to get lost, it's, it's much less about the number, and more so about what you said about the player. And Javon Holland uh, is a player whose versatility really shines. Uh, I anticipated him to be a hybrid safety that's playing in the slot quite a bit, as he did in 2020. I'm not going to take the deep dive, because when the Dolphins drafted Javon Holland, uh, we did quite an expansive conversation on how Holland is going to fit, Obviously, since Holland has been in-house, we've seen the Dolphins and their uh, personnel shift a little bit. That gives you some context clues as to far as where Holland fits into the puzzle. But without him having played, I think it's kind of a moot point to bury too much time into something we've already had a very large conversation is. But Holland was a fringe top 50 player for me when evaluating outside of a vacuum as far as evaluating for all 32 teams simultaneously. When you take into consideration what he does well, what the Dolphins do in the secondary with all the multiplicity that they have and how they want to match personnel on a week-to-week basis, 
and they want to go with a lot of sub packages, it's a home run fit. And he has a very good opportunity to outperform that fringe top 50 valuation that I gave him in the pre-draft process. But there's a number of other defenses across the league that if Holland would have landed in, he might not perform as well. I don't trust every defensive coach across the league to take a player like Holland and put him in the best position to have success. The good news is he landed in a spot in Miami where I expect him to outperform a fringe top 50 ranking and evaluation. And if you're keeping score at home, if you want, we're including Holland as tied for 53rd. Uh, that makes seven of eight defenders that we have evaluated on this show thus far for the Miami Dolphins' projected starting lineup who were top 55 players for me in their respective drafts. That's pretty exciting. Pretty damn exciting. Bet online, the fastest and easiest way to get in on all of your favorite sports action. Whether you're looking for Major League Baseball, the UFC, the NBA, NHL, NFL, which is just around the corner, you can get all the latest news, odds, and info for your sporting needs at betonline.ag. Head over on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information available to you. Do not sit on the sidelines anymore, as this is your chance to get into the game. Head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit using promo code LOCKEDON. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Continuing through the safeties, our next safety is Brandon Jones. And the trend will break. Uh, I did not have Brandon Jones as a top 55, top 60 player. Uh, But I did like Brandon Jones. Uh, Had him evaluated just outside the top 100 in 2020, 118 overall. So I had him, uh, from a valuation perspective, as a fringe 3-4. And Dolphins drafted him in the third round. So I thought from a valuation perspective, he was just fine. Uh, As... We've covered in the other shows in this series. Uh, We're looking at 10 position-specific traits. I'm going to read through them, a brief synopsis of the player, starting with Brandon Jones at coverage spacing as a safety. He can have trouble staying in task to receivers in man coverage when tested working across the middle of the field. His short area agility and quickness to break on hot flashing throws is adequate. I like him best in hook curl and as a robber underneath in zone coverages. Acceleration, linear burst, and downhill trigger are really nice and allow him to flash suddenly on the perimeter from off coverage or when leveraged over slot receivers. He's got good straight line speed and is springy when looking to attack forward. Loses some of his luster in lateral reps. Tackling, he's a violent, impressive player. Really like what he brings to the table as a potential nickel linebacker in a sub-package role. Does that sound familiar? Hmm. He's got a really good tackle radius, though he can look to lay the hit stick and fail to wrap up in the open field and produce some busts as a finisher as well. Zone coverage skills. He's got a bit of a nose for the ball when you let him freelance, especially on extended plays. His upside as a deep defender is modest at best, however, and if you let him mirror and shade tight to the line of scrimmage, his size and wingspan can be more disruptive and effective. Ball skills. His lack of deep range will hinder his ability to break and contest over the middle of the field, but he addresses the ball quite well when you task him with undercutting throws, and he's finished a fair amount of his opportunities to convert turnovers. Competitive toughness. Relentless. Uh, Sidebar here. I'm going to break 
the the fourth wall. Go watch Shaq Lawson's touchdown against the Arizona Cardinals from this past season and watch Brandon Jones be lined up in the A-gap in a mug alignment and drop to try and take away any hot throws working shallow across the middle of the field, get six to eight yards of depth in a zone drop. The strip sack happens, and when Shaq Lawson recovers that football, Brandon Jones is 15 to 20 yards behind the play, and he proceeds to get on his horse and dead-ass sprint out in front, and he throws a block in front of Shaq Lawson on that fumble return that allows him to score a touchdown. So when I write relentless in competitive toughness, that's what the hell I'm talking about. Love the effort he puts forth as a blitzer or pursuit player to rally to the football. His functional strength and pop through his hands are exceptional, and he will bully potential blockers on the D-gap. He's a stout, violent tackler to boot. Flexibility is a straight-line athlete who doesn't bring the same appeal when you ask him to hinge, flip his hips open, and carry deep portions of the field. Struggles with a dynamic base to play or pivot with explosiveness. His transitions can be labored as a result when getting vertical down the field. Feet and change of direction skills. Not his best trait. He's naturally restricted by some tightness in the hips and doesn't illustrate the foot quickness you desire to backpedal off the line of scrimmage or to slide and mirror and press coverage. His lateral agility hinders his ability to be a true mismatch defender in the nickel role. Man coverage. Think he'll have a reasonable chance to hold up against tight ends at the next level, but his ability to mirror routes and flow with speedy receivers was exposed as an issue against more dynamic defense or uh, opponents. Does not have the transitional quickness to mirror breaks and stay attached. Versatility. His tackling and run support are exceptional. Finding a consistent role for him on passing downs is going to fall back onto scheme-specific opportunities, which we saw with the Dolphins last year. May be best on third down as a nickel linebacker to play over top of tight ends and collision shade and zone coverage. At his best trait is tackling. His worst trait was his true versatility as far as being a, a nickel coverage option. Uh, and what I wrote down for him uh, for a player synopsis, Jones projects as a potential starter at strong safety, but more so as an early down defender who could serve as an asset and run defending and zone coverage inside of 10 to 15 yards of the line of scrimmage. Length, linear burst, and physicality, plus tackling skills are all quality traits, and in the right opportunity can yield a starter down the line. Sounds like Brandon Jones, right? And that's exactly the player that we saw the Dolphins get as a rookie. And I'm excited to see, you know, how often the Dolphins go big nickel and feature Brandon Jones uh, this season. Because if they choose to use him a lot in a big nickel role, uh, he could end up playing more than 50% of the snaps. And if that is indeed the case for Brandon Jones, then you've got yourself uh, a quality get in the third round and a player who will outperform what my expectations for, were for him as a player. Something that's been a bit of a trend as we've worked through this series is seeing about an even number of players who met expectations, exceeded expectations, and fell short of expectations. I'm not really sure what bucket to put Eric Rowe into. Uh, I had him as a top 20 player in 2015. I really loved his versatility, uh, his size, six foot, 205, 32 and a half inch arms, which is great length. The athleticism that he showcased, 445 in the 40 yard dash, uh, 39. 
inches in the vertical jump, 10.5 in the broad, uh, a 6.7 second three cone, and a 3.97 short shuttle. Extremely dynamic athlete. And I evaluated him as a corner, but I did acknowledge in the player summary that there was potential as a safety. I said, Eric Rowe has the makings of a very good NFL corner. Ability to play off with efficient feet or up in the face of receivers and press suggests a versatile player capable of working numerous schemes. Tremendous ball skills could also equate to a transition back to safety. Had a first-round grade on him as a player, top 20 overall. Uh, here are the positional breakdowns and noted. I did eval him as a corner, so uh, the traits aren't necessarily going to follow in the same order as what they did with the other safeties that we, we talked about, specifically Brandon Jones. Feet and change of direction skills. Smooth backpedal to sustain cushion and off coverage. Quick to redirect and undercut throws from overtop position, capable of driving on throws rapidly. Man cover skills. Has the length and long speed to protect vertically from the trail position. He's a physical press defender who is patient at the line of scrimmage to disrupt timing. Acceleration. Dynamic athlete who gets up to top speed quickly after flipping open his hips vertically down the field. Does not concede yards of separation in transitioning body and closes the perimeter against the run quickly. Flexibilities. Shows a strong ability to bend from the knees and fluid hips to turn and drop off the line of scrimmage. Late in bail technique in cover three. He sinks his hips and keeps his center gravity over his base with eyes on the quarterback effectively for transitional quickness. Ball skills, reacts to the ball quickly, has the length to influence throws outside of his immediate vicinity, good concentration and plays the ball physically at the catch point, not afraid to go high up for the football. Tackling, physical player who closes down the perimeter fast and pounds ball carriers after they receive the ball. His long reach and wingspan to grasp and hold uh, are effective, but he is primarily a pads tackler. Coverage instincts, good ability to play zones, thanks to his experience at the college level playing safety. Comfortable reaching appropriate depths and drops to take away throwing windows, leans away from receivers to bait throws from opposing quarterbacks. Toughness, physical toughness, competitive toughness. Physically assertive at the line of scrimmage and press coverage. Hits and plays run support like a safety. Long, thick, and body, strong body for a boundary corner. Effort, runs and flows to the football consistently, quick to diagnose, run, and close down. Fights off blockers on the perimeter well, will chase the ball to the opposite side of the field if needed as a rally defender. And as a blitz ability disguises his pressure reps effectively, first step is quick, closes down throwing lanes from areas of the field with combination of first step burst and length to occupy throwing windows. So evaluated him as a corner. That there were two separate allusions to the safety position here for Eric Rowe. Uh, I don't think it would be fair to say he's played to a top 20 overall pick during his entire NFL career. Of course, he was drafted by Philadelphia in the second round, traded to, to New England, uh, makes the transition to Miami. But what he has been for Miami is very reminiscent of in coverage as a lot of the Skills that you saw and were called out throughout the course of this player assessment from 2015. I always cringe a little bit when I read the early ones because it's like, man, I would have wrote this so differently if I were writing it today. But I do think this one makes enough calls to the safety position uh, that I am pleased when I look back at the entire body of work on this write-up and say, yeah, you know, I got the spirit of who Eric Rowe is as a player here. 
And of course, the transition he's made to safety during his time in Miami is a testament to kind of that height, weight, speed, fluidity, dynamic athlete, physical in coverage, uh, sufficient as a tackler, pads tackler, uh, gets involved in the run game. Uh, and he's talked quite a bit, Eric Rowe, going back to last offseason, about the challenges of, of adjusting to run fits and how his uh, approach to the game has been different now that he is a strong safety in the NFL. Uh, so I'd say he's probably not performed to the standard of a top 20 valuation. But again, if you look at it through the lens of it's not the number you put next to him on the ranking, but rather what you say about him as a player, I like the end result of what I get in reading Eric Rowe's assessment. RockAuto.com is a family business who's been providing auto parts customers with high-quality service online for the last 20 years. So whether you're shopping for engine control modules, brake parts, taillights, motor oil, or even new carpet for your classic or daily driver, RockAuto.com has everything you need in one easy-to-navigate catalog, and in just a few clicks, you can get everything delivered directly to your front door. Best of all, price are the same at rockauto.com for both professionals and do-it-yourselfers, so why would you shop anywhere else and spend up to twice as much for the same parts? So visit rockauto.com for all of your auto parts needs and write locked on in their how-did-you-hear-about-us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. Transitioning now to three corners, we're going to start with Byron Jones because uh, he was in that same 2015 draft class as Eric Rowe. Uh, I had Byron Jones as a top 32 player, my 32nd rated player in the 2015 NFL draft. Uh, six foot one, 200 pounds, 32 inch arms, uh, four three six in the 40, 44 and a half in the vertical, uh, six seven eight in the three cone, three nine four in the short shuttle. So again. Uh, 12-3 in the broad. Extremely dynamic athlete. I, I at the time, was giving out an an athleticism metric relative to uh, historical performance at the position at the combine. He had a perfect score, like top marks across the board. Just a phenomenal athlete, and that really helped with his evaluation. Uh, What I said about Byron Jones, Byron Jones is currently more of an athlete than a true corner. However, the physical package Jones presents is a very promising skill set. We'll need to become more efficient with footwork and less prone to conceding leverage. But Jones flashes high-end ability at the cornerback position. Uh, And, of course, uh, during his time with Dallas, uh, Jones split his time between playing corner and free safety. So uh, I think that's an important note when you consider his ball production. And uh, he equaled his career total in interceptions in Miami this past year. Uh, He now has four career interceptions. He had two last season, had two in Uh, His previous seasons all combined. Uh, Here were the notes. Feet and change of direction skills. Need to calm his feet when playing off man and stay patient in flat-footed reads. Struggles to plant and drive firmly on in-breaking patterns. Smooth pedal and controlled strides to sustain cushion when leveraged over top. Man coverage skills. Struggles to undercut underneath and assume trail position in the hip pocket on routes into the middle of the field. Has physicalities when playing vertically to bump receivers off their stem with excellent length. Acceleration. Issues with sustaining man coverage do not stem from athleticism. He has the burst and close on initial drive step, has hips to flip open and accelerate quickly up the field. Flexibility. Shows strong bend through his frame, keeps the center gravity low to the ground to promote smooth weight transitions, illustrates strong hip mobility to flip and run. Ball skills. 
has size and length to challenge the ball at the highest point, has wingspan to reach and beat receivers to the ball on the perimeter. Interestingly enough, you, you hear me write that or, or read that, but there's no mention of how he addresses the ball and converts his opportunities, which is where he struggled the most uh, as a professional. Tackling, not overly physical as a tackler, will not drop the shoulder like a safety, but it rather is quick to close down and plays with angles to leverage receivers into the boundary, finishes with a wrap and roll. Uh, coverage instincts, reacts to turn head when receiver flashes his hands, can get a bit too nosy in the backfield and caught flat-footed conceding vertically at times with eyes in the wrong place. Toughness, plays physical down the field from the trail position and also at the catch point, willing to play and rake through the hands, is not notably physical as a run defender, but will work to position well and filter runs with the boundary. Effort, regular, consistent effort, visibly bothered by conceding completions as an animated competitor, even pursuit in all aspects and game situations, so he doesn't lag off at any point in time. Blitz ability, has length and burst to close down on the edge and quickly and force alter throws from the pocket from over the top of his long frame and wingspan. So, I, I think the valuation of Byron Jones is probably a sufficient one in having him as a, a fringe top 32 player from that draft class. Uh, where you get caught up with it a little bit is the fact that uh, you saw some of the issues with him as a tackler last year. Uh, he missed a good number of tackles at the catch point. Uh, and the ball skills has never been a true area where he hangs his hat. And, of course, when you're playing opposite Xavier Howard, those that stands out like a sore thumb. I think in the grand scheme of things, he's a guy who is more prone and effective to play the hands of receivers than to flip his eyes back and find the football late in the rep. And I think that's something I wish I had made a greater note of uh, with Byron Jones, but my assessment of him as a player, my valuation, projecting him as a very good starter in the NFL. I think that is an effective projection for Byron Jones, and I certainly am glad to have him on the team. Uh, I, I know there's some fans that will look at the Xavier Howard situation and beg to differ, and that's fine. But that's kind of where I look at that situation. Next, Noah Igbenogany, who I am going to make a bold leap and project as the starting nickel for the Dolphins this year. I know Justin Coleman probably has an inside track, and Nick Neenum's been there for the last two years, but uh, Noe Igbenogany, 57th overall on my 2020 big board. Uh, so the trend is quite strong. Players at the top of the Dolphins' depth chart and my valuation of them before their respective NFL drafts, uh, there's a lot of high scores, a lot of first and second round values here uh, as far as these players. But Noah Benogany, 57th overall. Uh, my synopsis of him, Noah Benogany is a high-ceiling corner at the NFL level with just two seasons of experience playing corner. Benogany is facing tremendous growth in the coming years as he becomes more natural defending receivers at the catch point and further developing the finer points of the position. A former track star, Benogany is an explosive athlete with high-level body control will present as a starter in the long run. The only question is how long it takes him to round into form. Okay, so bear that in mind. Uh, I had his top trait is his, is his explosiveness. His worst trait was his ball skills. The best game I watched from him was Alabama 2019. 
Uh, the worst film that I watched was Alabama 2018. Player synopsis of Noah Igbenogany. Man cover skills, still raw in press coverage and can prematurely step and throw the wrong hand and lock himself into difficult transitions. His recovery burst, physicality down the field, and combativeness all mixed together to allow him to frequently work back into the body and squeeze diminished throwing windows. Zone coverage skills. Like what he offers in both flats and deeper zone coverages with explosive transitions, he's developing his anticipation and route feel, but he's going to grow here significantly given his trajectory over his two seasons at corner. Bounce to work into the catch point and drive on throws is strong with his reads. Feet and change of direction skills. Footwork, still a work in progress. And he could take some false steps in transition, but his raw mobility and foot speed have allowed him to mask against many opponents and provide him with good recovery skills to find his way back to his man. He'll cover a ton of ground with his click and close. Ball skills. Has not developed a feel for working his eyes back to the football with consistency just yet. He's missed a number of turnover opportunities by face guarding and instead electing to elevate the hands straight up to disrupt the catch point and the hands of receivers. The turnovers will come in bunches if he gets more comfortable here. Flexibility body control is top shelf. His ability to flip his hips or plant and drive at steep angles gives him very dynamic movement skills and the ability to stay pressed onto the body of receivers when going stride for stride down the field. His ability to explode into contact as the tackler is aided by fluid hips. Acceleration. This dude's got big-time wheels and can absolutely fly in the open field. Apparent uh, track athlete when you see him in the open field, opening his strides to eat up turf effortlessly. Short air explosiveness is good too, but his long speed is where he shines in recovery situations or alternatively as a kick returner. Defensive spacing. He's obviously a work in progress here and can be overcommitted to the first flash across his face, but he deserves the benefit of the doubt when his lack of reps and time at corner. He's got the movement skills to bail himself out of a false step and with more polish should be effective in route jumping. Competitive toughness. Brings special teams value in addition to his skills as a defender and took one for the team in converting to a cornerback in 2018. He's a high-effort player and been found way down the field in pursuit on runs in quick game that's popped the top of the defense, scrappy to squeeze vertical stems to the boundary. Run support. I like his ability to drive to the boundary and play as a support defender. He's got good awareness to peel back when he's in man-to-man, and when he's in zone, he's got the suddenness to drive to play quickly. He's an ambitious tackler, which has bit him at times. He's got punch power to jolt would be blockers, too. Tackling. He's willing, but he's not always the best with his balance and will throw himself into some of his challenges a little too haphazardlessly and recklessly. With his dense build, he's got the play strength to be a valued hitter, but he needs to be more consistent to wrap up and ensure he's finishing his challenges. So we don't know what Noah Igbenogany's final product is going to be. But you read that evaluation of him before the pre-draft process, And I don't know how you're surprised at the product the Dolphins got in 2020. Now, there will be those critics of that pick that point to the Igbenogany selection and say, well, then why did you make him the selection here? Because all of these uncertainties manifested themselves in his 2020 tape. And that's true. That's a very accurate assessment to make. But at the same time, the Dolphins were coming off a five-win season entering into year two of a rebuild, very clearly interested in a long-term approach, and they chose positional value at a position that they covet and prioritize more than any other team in the league when you take into account the spending that the Dolphins have at corner versus the rest of the NFL. And you understand why that pick was made. So 
the gloom and doom about Noah Igbenogany because, oh, you could have Clyde Edwards-Hilaire or DeAndre Swift or Jonathan Taylor. Like, I personally don't care. I valued this guy as a top 60 pick when evaluating for all 32 teams. The evaluation of him reads very much what you saw when he was pressed into prominent action. And, oh, by the way, his immediate playtime was against... Josh Allen, the Jacksonville Jaguars, a game in which he played pretty well, and then Russell Wilson and DK Metcalf slash Tyler Lockett. Are we really surprised he struggled against Stephon Diggs and Seattle? No. But that's become the narrative around Noah Igbenogany that I would strongly encourage any Dolphins fan to reconsider, have some patience, understand the long-term view with this decision, and let's revisit it down the road when we get a little bit more clarity as far as what is actually happening with him instead of when he's two, three, four games into his rookie season with no preseason, when you evaluated him in the pre-draft process and you saw all of these exact same things that he showcased as a rookie. And a lot of people are surprised and it's gloom and doom. And I don't understand why. Last but not least, I would classify Xavier Howard not only as a starting cornerback for the Miami Dolphins and the Miami Dolphins' best defender, but I would probably classify him as one of my greater misses in my entire career as an NFL draft evaluator. I had a day three grade on Xavier Howard in 2016. He was drafted in the second round. And he was a big reason why the team didn't make a maneuver for linebacker Miles Jack, who famously fell in the 2060 second round before he got drafted by the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, of course, some of that maneuvering was also contributed by the team's decision to prioritize Leonte Carew, who I properly forecasted as somebody who you should not be drafting in the top 100. But that's neither here nor there. That's not the point of the conversation today. The point of the conversation today is on Xavier Howard uh, specifically. So from a film perspective, I had him on day three. Uh, his NFL combine testing was below average. He, of course, uh, very famously uh, performed much better at his pro day than he did at his combine testing. It was not at 100% of his combine testing. He ran 4.58 with 11 bench press reps, 33 in the vertical jump, 7.18 in the three-cone drill, and 4.16 in the short shuttle. He was below average in just about every test at the combine. Six foot, 201, 31 and a quarter inch arms. But... Surprise, surprise. Uh, the ball production was there. He had 10 interceptions in 39 career games and 26 career starts with the Baylor Bears. Here's what I had to say. Howard will appeal to the big corner aficionados, but the skill set illustrated on film does not consistently resemble the player listed on the depth chart. Howard's best option in the NFL is likely as a cover three corner where his suitable levels of plant and drive quickness can be utilized breaking on underneath throws, and he will be protected from having to defend vertically from the trail position. Howard can be a productive NFL player, but likely never a high-end starter, as there's a lot of question marks present on the field regarding baseline levels of consistency. Yikes. 
It's not great. And uh, this was the one I was dreading when we decided that we were going to conduct this exercise. Uh, but let's get into why I had the concerns that I did. And obviously, Xavier Howard has transcended those concerns and become one of the best corners in all of football. And if I'm going to take an L, I would rather take an L by projecting a player low than a projecting a player high and them falling short of those expectations. Feet and change of direction skills. Effective feet at the line of scrimmage to stay square and keep hips in a ready position to flip and chase. Does not get great depth with steps and transition due to only average foot quickness. The ability to drive off of flat-footed reads is strong. Man cover skills. Does not have the ideal long speed or transitional quickness to be able to turn and run without conceding separation against vertical routes. Ideal levels of length are present but he needs to be more disruptive at the line of scrimmage if playing press to keep his leverage. Acceleration lacks top-end speed or even notable second gear, working up the field to challenge and disrupt as a vertical defender, much more efficient when playing over top coverage and keeping plays in front of his eyes. Flexibility does not play with the loosest of hips, can at times struggle to flip open and transition without his shoulders popping up, costing him some momentum, does not get down on tackle attempts below the numbers unless he's chopping his feet, insinuating that he's potentially a high tackler. Ball skills. Does not appear to identify the football in the air particularly well while still feeling the defender on his route. It's either one or the other. Has a knack for finding himself around the football with a total of 33 career-disrupted passes between interceptions and passes defensed. Tackling. Does not always play to his size, Far too frequently slides off of contact without jarring ball carriers or wrapping up. Active in pursuit, but does not appear to be a reliable option on the boundary without risk of conceding runs after catch in this regard as a tackler. Coverage intelligence and IQ. Is reaction based against breaks when playing in man off? Does well to reach his landmarks and zone coverage to remove throwing windows and alters well on the fly to shut down receivers attempting to squat underneath. Toughness. Disappointing effort as a tackler in the open field at times. He plays tall, but does have the strength to jack up receivers on the stem and prevent clean releases onto the second level. Rarely bumped out of position when squatting over top at the top of route stems. Effort. Likeable effort to flow from the backside on pressure runs or scrape across the top of the field in an effort to pursue or stay over top of ball carriers. Blitz ability has enough downhill quickness and very lengthy frame to challenge the pocket and force altered throws, primarily a boundary defender. An ideal role will not frequently place him into opportunities to blitz. So obviously, Xavier Howard made strides forward as a player once he entered the NFL. A lot of what he does so well is football intelligence and anticipation. And that was something he certainly grew into during his time uh, early on with the Dolphins. But you could see the physical talent was there. Uh, he's not the fastest. He's, he doesn't run 4-3, but he runs fast enough. But where Xavier Howard got better versus where I evaluated him coming out of Baylor was his press man skills, his consistency, and his technique and also his football intelligence, his route recognition and understanding of defensive leverage down and distance, all of those things combined to allow him to hunt the football to the degree in which he does. 
So I will always regret the Xavier Howard evaluation because there were enough context clues in his tape that he could get there. And early on in my career, in 2016 was still relatively early on, right? It was five years ago. I was in the game for three seasons at that point. I missed on too many players by not projecting what they could become instead of what they were at the time. And Xavier Howard's a great example of that. So, of all the players to possibly not have as a top 50 talent, we looked at 12 players, and what, nine of them were top 60 players? Eight of them were top 55? Seven of them were top 51? The one guy that you can't have outside of that categorization is Xavier Howard, and yet he was a big miss and a big lesson for me as a talent evaluator. And I humbly wear that loss because, as I said, the context clues were there, and I overly penalized him for a bad combine performance and read way too much into his tape as an inexperienced talent evaluator at the time. The good news, <laughs> if you're trusting me, is shaken as a talent evaluator, is Zavin Howard is one of the oldest prospects evaluated in this exercise over the 12 players that we looked at. Because we looked at six, 13. We looked at a front seven, and then we looked at six defensive backs. Howard, Rowe, and Jones were the three oldest of that group. And then nearly everybody else was 2019 and fourth. So I had three-plus more years of experience, and all of those guys, I'd like to think I'm a better evaluator than I was in 2015 and 2016. You should be getting better every year learning the lessons that this game has to teach you. We're highly evaluated prospects. So while the Xavier Howard evaluation from yours truly is a black uh, lining around this silver cloud, if you will, uh, the silver lining around the black cloud or the silver lining around the black lining is that much more of this regime's investments into the defensive side of the ball, they are all, with the exception of Brandon Jones, who was just outside my top 100. And I like Brandon Jones. You heard guys heard what I had to say about him. They were all players that I liked, they were all players that uh, made sense when you read what their strengths and weaknesses were. They fit the pieces of the puzzle that the Dolphins are implementing. So I hope you guys enjoyed this uh, exercise. It's a good uh, opportunity to be transparent and candid about my experience as a scout and the lessons that are learned and how the pre-draft pieces of the puzzle fit with the Dolphins roster and what they're trying to do in the here and now. And more than anything else, I'm excited to see what it looks like in 2021. And I hope you are too. I hope you're excited for the rest of the week here on Locked on Dolphins. Hit subscribe, follow along. I am Kyle Krabs. Thanks, as always, for listening. Fins up. Have a great rest of your day. Welcome back to the Dolphins. Keep it locked in right here on Locked on Dolphins.